testing. I think it's a little lower than it's been, so if you have trouble hearing me tonight, let me know and I'll turn it up. So welcome everyone, and especially welcome to the people who are new to the Buddhist Studies class. I think we have quite a few people who are new. Why don't you just raise your hands if you haven't been in a Buddhist Studies class before. So welcome everyone. This is uh, now a six-year series, and there are some people in the group that have done most of the two-and-a-half series that we've done, beginning, I think, in 1999. So we've gone through it completely two years, uh, two times, rather, and we're in the middle of the third time through the six-year series. And it's based primarily on... uh, collection of teachings from the Buddha called the Wings to Awakening, although we do other things too. And these are the main models the Buddha used to teach. And they're overlapping models or maps. So the Buddha taught in different ways at different times to meet the particular people he was teaching, their needs, what would be useful, what they could understand, or what would be especially meaningful in their practice. So these maps then over time, probably during the Buddha's lifetime, they got refined and organized and systematized so that the Buddha's senior disciples could also use the same maps, the same give the same talks. And even there are times when the Buddha's back would be hurting or for whatever reason, and he'd ask one of his senior students to do the talk that night. And then at the end, you know, he'd get up from the lion's pose, the lion on the side, and he'd say, I would have said the same thing. And so there was really this way of systematizing because they uh, kept the the teachings alive orally. So these maps came to be known as the Wings to Awakening. 37, I think, uh, aspects of this map. So We have the five hindrances, which we'll be studying this spring, the seven factors of awakening, the four noble truths, the eightfold path, the five faculties that we did, I believe, in the fall. And then we've added other lists to this collection. We do the four Brahma-Baharas, the precepts, and a number of other aspects of the teachings, the three characteristics, dependent origination and karma, probably a couple that I'm not remembering right now. And uh, as I've mentioned to a few people who've called about the class, this class is specifically designed for people who are committed to practice the formal and informal aspects of practice. So more than people who are really um, inspired by the teachings and are reading and studying and integrating that are inspired enough by the teachings to um, be a little bit more systematic in training their minds and actually taking up some of the tools that the Buddha suggested like daily sitting practice or going, retreating from the busyness of daily life for times, leaving behind our responsibilities and obligations and just having some quiet time in order to more systematically with more devotion take up the practices that have been suggested. So we ask that people make a commitment to daily practice, make a commitment to study, and make a commitment to coming on Monday nights 
uh, that you might have family obligations sometimes or work obligations or you get sick. And it's totally okay not to be here on a Monday night if you have a good reason not to be here. But if you don't have a good reason not to be here, you should be here or you shouldn't be taking the class. So if you want more flexibility, then you can do some of the other programs at the center. But this one, we want to feel like we're making a commitment, not just to our own practice, but to each other, so that when we come and the discussions that we have, the small group discussions we have every other week, and the large group discussions, and even just energetically, our commitment, our sincerity, it really matters. So uh, we ask people to make that commitment. And now some people are going to have more time to do study. And I'll, uh, Scott has set up a website for us, and uh, we'll mention that at the very end. And we'll send out, I'll send out readings that you can use. Many of you have your own resources. There are many great and not so great resources out there. Um, if you find really good resources around the five hindrances, please let me know and I'll send it out to the link or the information out to the whole group. So there's this aspect of studying, like even what you hear in the talks and discussions, taking that home, reflecting on it, actively bringing it to mind, whether you take notes when you're here or you just remember, doing some of the readings, doing your own investigation, your own finding your own resources, and then the formal sitting, walking practice where you have more or less uh, an experience where you're not so distracted. That's what daily practice is really about. And doing the meditation practice and, you know, in a sense, we're illuminating our practice with the particular teachings that we're studying. We're using those teachings to give us perspective on the practice of quieting the mind if that's what we're doing in our sit or investigating the nature of the mind if that's what we're doing during our sit in that particular moment. So for example, how do the five hindrances and how the Buddha describes them, how they, the Buddha describes that they come to be, how they can be removed, how does that inform our efforts to calm the mind? How does that inform our efforts to understand the mind? So we want to take advantage of the particular wing that we're picking up. You know, in in these seven weeks, we're picking up the wing, the wings of the hindrances, really understanding what it is that hinders, disturbs, distorts the mind. Becoming relative experts about how this mind gets distorted or disturbed. So we're not surprised by the different ways our mind gets disturbed. It becomes very familiar, and we become quite skillful at recognizing it. So we always begin by chanting the three refuges at the beginning at 7.30. Uh, Most of you know, but the new people might not know that we have an optional sit from 7 to 7.25, So we ask that people get here at 7 to join that if you'd like to be part of that optional set. Otherwise, wait in the lobby until you hear the bell at 725, and then you can come on in when you hear the bell. So that way the people who are here early have 25 minutes where the room isn't disturbed. So keep that in mind next week. And then we chant the three refuges right at 730. And if you haven't done the refuges before, this is 
a ritual or a, a practice that's done in all schools of Buddhism, usually using the Pali or Sanskrit version of the three refuges. And the idea is to, for each of us to find a way of making this chant meaningful. It's a way of um, bringing up in our minds our deepest aspiration. So when we take refuge in the Buddha, we do this three times. We take refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, three times. So when we take refuge in the Buddha, we're taking refuge, we're finding a way to directly connect with the refuge of awareness. Awareness or knowing or the inherent freedom of the mind. The mind that's unrestricted, unbound. So to whatever degree we're able to intuitively know that or directly experience that or just intellectually appreciate that possibility of this mind here, not the Buddha's mind 2,500 years ago, but our mind being unbounded, free, then we want to, as we're chanting, I take refuge in the Buddha in Pali, we want to have the sense of this possibility of the freedom in the heart mind now. And that allows us to be free with Dhamma. Dhamma is just our experience, the way that it actually is for us. So we take refuge in it because we intuitively appreciate, recognize the mind, the heart that's unbounded. Then we can meet life, the actual experience of the mind and body with this unbounded free heart. And we're not afraid of being in the world of experience, having relationships. So we take refuge in Dhamma, the way it is. And we take refuge in Sangha, the beautiful qualities that are expressed by human beings or by any being that isn't confused by things as they are. So when the mind or heart isn't confused, we can express real love and patience and kindness and clarity and skill, skillful response and fearlessness. And this is what we mean by sangha. We may see those beautiful awakened qualities sometimes in ourselves, sometimes we see them in our friends or the wise ones that are around us in moments at least. And we can deeply appreciate those beautiful qualities that are expressed, that we see being expressed. So we'll always begin with this chant, then we'll do a guided meditation, and then usually a talk and discussion, and sometimes a small group discussion every other week. So next week we'll have a small group discussion. I'll say more about that in just a few, later in the evening rather. So we'll do the chant, the traditional Buddhist refuges in the Pali. And if you're unfamiliar, you'll pick it up. It repeats quite a bit. I'll ring the bell to begin. And then we'll go right from there into the guided meditation.
Comfortable and stable in your sitting posture. <coughs> <coughs> 